Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, welcome in. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi live on the Scores YouTube page. Travis Kelsey just got off the podium saying you got to fight for your right to party. It was a pretty odd game the first three quarters with an incredibly tense and excellent fourth quarter. We got an experience of the new overtime rules. And we are in the midst of a dynasty officially. Three Super Bowls. In five years, a Super Bowl loss, an AFC Championship game appearance. The Chiefs and the Patriots are the teams that have done it. Mahomes now has an MVP, uh, another Super Bowl MVP. They have an overtime win. He's trailed by 10, Pony. We have three double-digit comebacks in all three Chiefs Super Bowl wins under Patrick Mahomes. This is an unbelievable thing. And they all got up there and said, yeah, we're going for three. So I think you can end speculation about retirements. We are watching the dynasty and we're in the middle of it. Yeah, that's going to be a big talking point about the legacies and what it means for uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Reed. And we can obviously talk about that on this podcast. But I want to go back to the decision at the start of overtime by Shanahan because I thought it kind of got glossed over there. Romo made a quick comment about it. It was all the buzz on social media. And I just saw the post game. Boomer Esiason quickly mentioned it. And then they moved on to other things. But I just do not understand why they kicked off. And I don't want to hear or why they elected to receive. And I don't want to hear, well, the defense is gassed. That's To me, that's a cheap excuse. You had a rested defense that still, you trust them? With the game on the line to stop Mahomes, even if Mahomes and the Chiefs do exactly what they did at the end of the game and scores a touchdown, which I would have predicted them to do against the 49ers defense in overtime, you then get the ball and then you get to go for it on every fourth down because you know what you have to do. So you have fourth downs to go for it. You don't have to worry about punting. You don't have to think about field goals. You have fourth downs on every possession, on every drive. And then if you score, you can make a decision there. Do you want to go for two to win the game? And and Listen, okay, I I was going big picture with the team who won, and you're going small picture. So, I mean, both of those. Oh, it's not small picture. I mean, this is going to be a decision. We'll we'll start with how you want to. That's fine. They, Shanahan will address it post game. My get, you said you don't want to hear about the defense being gassed. That's the only explanation. Is it a good one, though? Like, it's one that we can't know. How tired is the defense? Was anybody hurt? Like, they're going to know whether or not they actually needed it. What I mean, what if Fred Warner came over on the sideline and said, hey, we need the break? Well, then you know instead I mean? of sending them out for the for the goddamn coin toss, have them take oxygen during that stretch then. I'm just I'm, – Okay, I'm, I mean, I'm, come I'm, on now. I'm, listen – I'm obviously, I think it is clear that, we, I mean, do you think Fred Warner made a mistake? No, I I think it's just a bad decision. I think that because we're dealing with something that is still new, I don't think that a lot of forethought went into this. Oh, I disagree. That's ridiculous. 
That's ridiculous. What do you mean that's ridiculous? You don't think that they thought about what they would do if the game went to overtime? Well, you just it's told the Super Bowl, man. They, 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 these rules have been all in. These guys do eighteen. Okay, so let me days. so let me ask you this. So you're saying you don't think they know what you don't think they thought about it? So no, you I, I'm saying I, I'm saying I think they thought about okay, it. Okay, so if they, they thought about normally, it, in advance, they would normally they would normally defer. But in the situation of the Chiefs just drove down the field at the end of regulation and the defense was on the field, they made a calculus of rest versus the fourth down and the opportunity to so go do for you still, two. So, so you think that was the right call then? I'm saying I think that they're the only ones who know how badly their defense needed rest. I would obviously think I was with everybody on Twitter. Everyone was making the same obvious point that you're making, like that to defer in the new overtime rules is the correct decision. Yeah, if it's a video game simulation, but I have no idea. I have no I idea. How, I, I just how don't think it matters. Were. I don't think it matters. Do, would you have trusted you a, fatigue matters? No. Would you have trusted a rested 49ers defense to stop them? I mean, the game went to overtime and still went under the total. Okay, so, but I'm asking there were, you there a question. Plenty, there were, I mean, the, the, you, the second you half started with four three and outs. So you would have trusted a rested 49ers defense to not give up a touchdown there? Well, because a rested 49ers defense forced two three and outs to start the second so half. So your answer is yes, then? Yes. Okay, I, I come on now. I mean, it's Mahomes with the game on the line. I don't, I'm not, I'm not. But is the game not on, on the defense. line to start the third quarter? It's a different no, 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 the game's not on the line there because you've still got 30 minutes to play. It's so not the they're same not thing. trying? Of course they are, but it's not the same thing. It's not the but, same. But again, so you're you're saying stopping no... Michael, stopping Michael Jordan on a possession in the third quarter is not the same thing with him with the ball in his hands at the end of a game, Danny. It's just but not hold on a second. Is there so you're you saying there's no scenario? What if, what if it was a 12 minute drive? No. No, I'm still. I I want the ball There's second. No scenario, Danny. Jeez. We've and, we've and done. We've had fourth quarter. We, no, and, we've had we've had college overtime around for thirty years. Okay, regardless of how end of game situations go in college, you always take the ball second because then you know what to do. We've had this type of rule. I know it's 25 yards versus the length of the field. Yeah, exactly. Because if you get a three and out, then you punt and it's a different field position situation. It's totally different. It's not, it's not totally rule. different. It's not it's the talking same about, rule. No, it's talking about the strategic advantage of getting the ball second. And it is so large, in my opinion, it is, it, it is a big enough advantage, in my opinion, where I put a tire defense out there. I don't care. About a tire defense in that situation because okay. I want my I want my offense. So I guess we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this because yeah, I think fascinating. it was fascinating. So I so you give so you would say with Shannon, you give him an incomplete grade then for that decision because he has all the heart monitor data and all this all this information that we watching at home do not have. Do you honestly situation. think he like didn't consider deferring? Uh my prediction is. When he talks, he will not say that it was a fatigue thing for his defense. He will give some reason like, I wanted our offense to have the ball first because I thought we were going to set the tone for overtime and score. That will be I, my prediction. If I, I'm wrong it, about that. You will be you, wrong. You want to make a $100 bet on that? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. I've already lost enough money. I can lose another yeah, 100 yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you will be wrong. That No, he's not going to. I do not. I do not believe that for a second. I, I don't believe that he didn't consider like I just think that everybody on the internet was making the exact same point, which is very whenever that happens, I'm never interested in it because we all pretend like we know the exact same like that we have all the exact same information that these guys have. Doesn't mean that they can't make mistakes, but there's no way in the world that Kyle Shanahan did not even consider deferring in that spot. By the way, good job by Kyle Shanahan. Down three, down what thirteen ten, and fourth uh, fourth down doesn't kick the short field goal. Obviously, Moody ends up missing the extra point, which in a weird way worked out kind of well for them because then the Chiefs go conservative when they're down sixteen thirteen and they kick the short field goal. But I thought it was interesting that everybody was crushing Dan Campbell for not taking the points. And then Shanahan doesn't take the points. And he's normally known as a conservative in-game coach. We've seen that in these playoffs. 
and he goes for it there in the Super Bowl, converts to Kittle. Two plays later, they're in the end zone for a touchdown. That was a nice moment for Shanahan that I guess will be totally overlooked by everybody. Well, I don't know about that because then he elected to take the field goal in overtime, which to me, Romo, again, another one of these situations with him where as soon as the game ended, he started to bring that back up like he was questioning the decision to go up three points. Well, I wish he would have said that in the moment and not waited until after the game when it backfired. He should have said, I think it's a mistake here to kick the field goal. You can't go up three against Mahomes. It's a death sentence. So he disagreed with you. He did not count on the, the 49ers defense getting a stop there. Either did I. I mean, maybe it's it's weird because I picked against the Chiefs in this game, but I just I thought when they kicked the field goal, they were going to lose the game. I was convinced Kansas City was going to come down and score a touchdown and win. Yeah, I mean, listen, with with four with four downs, like you said, it is very hard to imagine stopping Mahomes. I completely agree with that. The Niners almost drove down the field and scored a touchdown to open to open overtime. Right. You know what but I mean? Like, but I'm, it, but it I'm was, saying it was, it was I'm saying like it was a three and out. I know, but I'm saying go for it on fourth down. I know you're no, I understand. And do you so what would you have done in that situation? Yeah, I would not have won. I would not have been very confident to stop Mahomes to only get three. Did you think that they made it clear enough on the broadcast? No, that that's that, another that, thing I wanted to bring up. I thought the clock, I thought the clock second. was an enemy. I thought you could lose the game if the time ran out in overtime on your second on your first possession. I didn't know that. My my group chat was blowing up, and I was like the only one who knew the rule. Like, but that's not I'm not blaming the people in your group chat because I thought that Nance and Romo should have said at some point when the overtime started, look, if the if the if each team's first possession goes beyond these 15 minutes, it carries over into another overtime. Instead, what happened is Romo's trying to explain that rule while the final play of the Super Bowl is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it created one of the most anticlimactic endings to a Super Bowl that deserved this big buildup for that last play. And instead, Nance has to rush it because Romo won't shut up about people thinking that the clock was going to run out on the Chiefs. Well, because like they said, it's a new game, as if that's implied that you're going to go to a second quarter, which I understand why they do that. Because if they if the clock would have expired, they would have had to change directions on the field, which would in theory matter for kicking and things like that. It would get another commercial break in, which obviously matters a great deal in the Super Bowl. That's why they still have a running clock as opposed to college when it's all untimed except for the play clock. That's why they do it. But we've never seen it before. So you need to be like explicitly clear off the top as to what's happening. Or at least when you're to your point, when there's four minutes left and it's clearly possible that the time could run out, you got to explain it. I think it's interesting that you said you thought the 49ers might stop the Chiefs rested at the beginning of overtime, but then you said after the 49ers kicked the field goal that Mahomes was going to go down the field and score a touchdown. Again, there is the, you have, I am agreeing with you. I don't understand what you're not hearing. I agree with you that giving Mahomes four downs and knowing exactly what he needs is a tremendous advantage. That it is a tremendous advantage to get the ball second given the new overtime rules. I'm agreeing with the point that you and every single person on the internet made. What I am disagreeing with is that the idea that Kyle Shanahan hadn't considered it and that fatigue couldn't possibly be a factor given that the Chiefs had the ball at the end of regulation. That's all I'm saying. There, he, Whether or not he's right or wrong in that spot, I don't know and I don't believe that we can know. I mean, George Kittle ran off the field and ran to the damn locker room. Like, you know what I mean? Like, guys get hurt. Guys get banged up. There's all sorts of things that are happening on an NFL sideline that we just don't know. And I just don't believe for a second that he's that dumb to have not even considered it. All right. We'll have to wait on that answer then. We'll have, we'll have Spencer. Yeah, Spencer's watching postgame. Shanahan Mahomes, says it is postgame has, press officially has been named MVP. You agree with Mahomes as the MVP? I do. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I think that the the clutch plays late to get the game to overtime and then obviously the last drive, he deserved it. I think. Yeah. Uh, at other points, I thought Chris Jones garnered consideration. He was excellent again in a big game. Obviously, if the Niners were to one Jennings, 
throwing a touchdown and catching a touchdown. Yeah, Jennings would have probably been the bet there, although Purdy made some some bigger plays late. But I think Jennings would have been the guy for the San Francisco side. How about the? Uh, I just liked the moment at the end of regulation when there's ten seconds left and they throw the ball to Kelsey off the low snap and they throw it to the left pylon and he doesn't catch it. And then there's six seconds left and they run out the field goal unit. And then they show Rasheed Rice. He's screaming at Patrick Mahomes and Mahomes yelling back at him. And then they show the angle and Rice was open. He's correct about that. But the idea that like, there's 10 seconds left. You're trying to run the play as quickly as possible so that in theory you could run, you could get two snaps before you kick the field goal. That Mahomes, when he gets a low snap, is going to go to his second read and throw it to Rice. And that Rasheed Rice has the balls to yell at Patrick Mahomes yeah. in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. It, just, it was just it was just a hilarious moment. Like, I thought I thought the same thing. And again, what are you doing? And again, back to more Romo criticism. Give me the give me more of a quarterback perspective on that exchange. Like he's doing his silly reaction to it. I want a serious reaction from Romo there about how that whole altercation would have made him feel in that situation. Um, yeah, it was the yeah, you're you're right about that. That's his first read. Creed Humphrey's a great center, but my God, his low snap rate in the playoffs was horrible. Yeah, there it was were like consistent. five or six of those a game that, in some cases, prevented Mahomes from getting the ball to other places because he had to waste time collecting the snap, which you'd expect an all-pro center not to do that as much as he does. Chiefs defense, man, deserves a ton of love. Again, Spagnolo dialing yeah. up. The, they, didn't, they didn't really get home to Purdy, but on in huge situations to force him on the third down in overtime, obviously, before the field goal. Um the what was it the third and four with the cornerback blitz when they blitzed McDuffie which was disguised incredibly and I thought that was actually a really good Romo moment where he pointed out that like they didn't show pressure before and then they hadn't made that blitz all game I actually to be honest with you I thought Romo had a better game than he's had in a long time you've highlighted a couple of the bad moments and he isn't he doesn't have a great feel for the big moment, which is a huge problem. But I actually thought he had some good moments of like teaching football. He did in that in the, in that spot. He did. But given how good the Niners' defense is, or excuse me, the Niners' offense is, like by historical DVOA rankings, and that clearly their skill position guys uh, were the far superior players, and Purdy was good. Like, got to give it up to him. He made a ton of plays in that game. He did not make the big mistake. He threw a couple that could have been, but he was very, very solid. The Chiefs defense holding them to 22 in a dome without the turnovers, I thought was really incredible. Well, Other, the Chief, than, the, other than the McCaffrey turnover early that didn't uh, result in points. As, as it ended up going, I know the 49ers defense, I said I didn't trust them to get stops at the end of the game, but... You know, overall, I thought the 49ers defense outperformed the cheat. Uh, the 49ers defense outperformed its offense in this game. Um, when you look at the numbers for the 49ers offense, they didn't deserve to win. McCaffrey only averaged 3.6 yards per carry, Samuel had 33 yards receiving, Ayuk only had three catches, and Kittle had two catches for four yards. Those are your top four playmakers. McCaffrey affected the game as a receiver. He had 80 receiving yards, but his primary job as a runner, he led the league in rushing yards, 3.6 a carry against the 18th ranked run defense in the NFL. That was supposed to be the Chiefs Achilles heel in this game. They, for the most part, shut him down in the run game. So, I mean, to me, that goes back to Kyle Shanahan again. Uh, I, I, You're right, Spagnolo like he did in Super Bowl 42 against Brady and that undefeated uh, Patriots team, he got the better of the matchup uh, in this game. Uh, he he is a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator, in my opinion. I think among is the that things... A thing? What's that? Is that a thing? Like, do it, defensive coordinators go into the Hall of Fame? Well, LeBeau's in, and I think that's partly because of his coaching and not just his player. I think that's kind of a yeah. career resume award. Uh, I think the I think to be honest with you, I look at Spagnolo. He he is 
as, as a guy that has done it for as long as he has and only had a brief stint as a head coach, he probably is one of the best assistant coaches in NFL history. Um, it's one of the most critical decisions that the Chiefs and Andy Reid ever made. I mean, when they replaced uh, Sutton with uh, this guy, Spagnolo, Danny, look at the difference in their defense ever since. Yeah, he's been amazing. First coordinator to win four Super Bowls in NFL history. Um, it's pretty remarkable. So if I guess if a coordinator can get in, it'll be him. And Andy, funny shout-outs from the podium by the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes shouts out Butker. Reed gets out there and shouts out the defense, but the only guys that get invited up are Hardman, who caught the ball, said he blacked out, Kelsey, who did the full wrestling thing, uh, and then obviously Mahomes and Reed. So no defensive player gets on the podium, but the Chiefs defense was was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, can we do a little big picture Chiefs now? Sure, go ahead. I'm, well, I'm just saying, like, this run that they're on and – the Mahomes, listen, it's it's not even about Brady, man. It's at 28 years old, it's the feeling of anything being possible, the Garnett line, and his line was so badass. It reminded me of the Burrow line that we've quoted a lot on the podcast, like the windows open as long as I'm here. He's like, the Kansas City Chiefs are never an underdog, but they were an underdog in their last three playoff games. And... I talked about it on the pod last week. I talked about it on my show. I talked about it on the show we did on the score this morning. You and I have been watching Super Bowls our entire life. We've been gambling on football for 20 plus years each at this point. The team with the better quarterback, the better coach, and the better defense was an underdog in this Super Bowl. They were the more popular team. They got more bets. And the line didn't move in their direction a half a point all week. I do not understand how the Chiefs went off as a two or a two and a half point underdog in this game. I do not get it. And I never heard a good explanation other than the big bets were on the Niners. Some sharp betters were on the Niners. And I know sharp betters set the line. I know how it works. I don't need that explained to me in the comments on YouTube. But do you understand why the Chiefs were an underdog in this game? Well, I think the biggest thing and that not enough people talk about, not to get too down the rabbit's hole on this and to make this too much of like an erudite discussion is I don't think people uh, factor in now that this has become such a numbers-driven industry where it's so data-based. You know, I think back in the day, let's say like 15 to 20 years ago, I think it was more about like there was a feel for it. You had odds makers who would set lines and a lot of it would just be, okay, let me, let me find what I think is a number that is going to elicit action on both sides. Like, let me find a number that is going to evenly split this. And I think at some point, and I can't pinpoint exactly when somebody that's more uh, dialed into this part of the industry could better answer this there. The, the rating systems that they do on teams became how they set the lines and they trust their rating system numbers so much that even if a lot of action comes in on one side, they trust their evaluation and their analysis on those teams. And, you know, if they're, if it gets like hugely disproportional, they'll move the lines, I think, a half point or a point or whatever. But for the most part, they believe in their numbers on teams. They believe in their rankings and rating systems. And those are mostly things that are, you know, uh, large sample size, right. what is a team for the season? And it's not a reaction to what a team does the week before or even two weeks before. So what ended up happening in the playoffs the last two weeks, the championship games in this, is that people ended up betting who they thought were the hotter teams. And those hotter teams either won or covered, by the way, the Lions covered as the hotter team. Yep. And, and 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 Vegas went with their rating system in each game. The Ravens and 49ers were the two best teams for the duration of the season. And that's what the odds were based on, Danny, and that was some oversight on their part. They didn't take into account the fact of what you said. You're basically playing Mahomes in the big game and who in their right minds, I guess I'm the idiot that still thought the 49ers Yeah, were the you picked against him every week. I did.
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and like obviously they could have won. It was a close game. Like obviously the Niners are an awesome team. I'm I, I'm not saying that they're not. It was just to me it was like it should every time I saw the line, which was a thousand times during the week, it my initial thought was that they listed it wrong. Well, let me just say, like, let me let, let me make a point along those lines. If all of a sudden Roger Goodell went up on the podium and said, "Not so fast," the Chiefs are not actually the Super Bowl champions. We are demanding that they play an extra game next week, and it's a rematch against the Ravens, and it's back in Baltimore. The odds makers would come out and make Baltimore like a two point favorite in that game. They would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would. Yeah, you're they right. Absolutely would. No, I know. I you know, you're I I know. I just it was a and listen, I, I said I wanted to do but like the idea that this team is an underdog is crazy. And then what can you you've obviously covered one of the best franchises in the NFL. You've been there for Roethlisberger. you've been there for a Super Bowl. Like I know so many Chiefs fans. I'm married to one. I covered this team. My mom flew to Kansas City to be with her 95-year-old father. Like I got I know I know a lot of Chiefs fans, right? Like this feeling and it was referenced on the broadcast. It is Michael Jordan. You know, like what you're talking about the, the jersey over my shoulder like Chiefs fans being able to have a routine for Super Bowl week because they they know that they're going to be there. Mahomes referencing, we're just going to stick to our normal Super Bowl routine in terms of game plan install and travel and practice and media attention. Being down double digits again and not panicking because you have 15. Seeing him run onto the field in those spots and not even being a question that, He's calm. Maybe they won't get it done or whatever, but like he's not shook by the moment. There's not, it's not even a question. There are so few, it's like Yankees fans with Mariano Rivera, Bulls fans with Jordan. There are so few fan bases in any sport that can actually know what that feeling is like. That to have that for a 28 year old quarterback in the era where it's possible to play quarterback into your 40s. I can't imagine being a because even Patriots fans didn't have that with Brady when he was 28. Like that aged with him. He was not carrying them with these types of passing productions and MVPs for the early Super Bowls. Like it's a it's a completely unprecedented feeling, I think, for an NFL fan base is what Chiefs fans are going through right now. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot to say about that. That's a, that that that's a that's a really, I think, thoughtful uh examination of what's gone on there um you know I'll start with just like the fan part of it you know I picked against the Chiefs in the in the entire playoff run and I get on Nick Wright's case our buddy but I'm actually really happy for Chiefs fans like I don't look at them as a loathsome fan base whatsoever no they're one of the the best fan bases in sports I, I always thought even though the Boston fans are rabid there's a there's an obnoxious quotient to them that like got on my nerves when those Patriots teams were winning as much as they were. And plus the Red Sox had won world series. And like they went from a sports city that, you know, had been kind of in the desert for a while and all the championships came in at once and they all, you know, put themselves on, you know, Mount Olympus for it. And it just really bothered me. Grew up around Yankees fans, the same like qualities that just irk you when they feel like it's their birthright to win every year. But Chiefs fans suffered so much. Uh, Every playoff game was a new way of being tormented and uh, everyone had like a nightmarish ending that I was at the game with no punts. Yeah. The the chiefs Colts game. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the no punt game before I even worked there in Oh three. Yeah. That's a famous game. Trent green and yeah. Dante Hall had the kick for meal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They lost to Peyton. Yeah. Stoyanovich missing field goals. I mean, they went the Montana was the last guy to win a playoff game there before Mahomes. So, or no, that's not true. Alex Smith won. Alex Smith did. That's right. He had that, he had that huge comeback against, uh, like, oh, not a comeback. They either went against Houston. After they yeah, had that yeah, horrible well, loss they, to they, the they, Colts. They, they, they lost. Right. I was at that game right, too right, right, in right. Indy 
when when they lost the game with Jamal Charles got hurt. Yeah. He was the first guy to be held out with the concussion protocol. Yeah, thank you for correcting me on that. So they, yeah, they, they lost. Th- they were they were up thirty eight to ten and lost. I think forty five forty four something. Right. Like that. So they had just a horrible playoff history yeah. until Mahomes showed up. So they're just so such a passionate sports city. You know that having lived there. Yeah. That I am I am happy for for all that they've accomplished. You know, as far as like this whole dynasty now and Mahomes and everything else, you know, I think with the Patriots, Brady, when he was winning, when he won his first three Super Bowls, Peyton Manning was still considered, I think, the better quarterback. Peyton Manning was winning regular season MVPs. His yeah. teams were losing in the playoffs. But I think most people in that in that time, at least I would have said, Manning is the better quarterback, but if you have one game to win, you want Brady because Brady is going to come through in those moments, whereas Manning, for whatever reason, doesn't. Patrick Mahomes is the answer to both of those things right now. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, and he's the guy who's most reliable, most dependable, and most exquisite when big games are on the line and need to be won. So that's really the difference here. Like, I'm not even, that's not even true of Montana early in his career. Uh, in the early 80s, he was not an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, he was looked at more as a system quarterback with Walsh. That was not the case with Aikman for sure when he was with those Cowboys teams because they had everybody else with Irvin and Emmett, Emmett Smith was looked at as the better player. Going back to the 70s in Bradshaw, I mean, Bradshaw was a backup quarterback who had lost his job a couple of times and then won two Super Bowls. So like, and that way, Danny, I think it is unprecedented that somebody is considered already at the quarterback position, far and away the best player, and he already has three rings on his finger before he turns 30. Are you want to talk about some of the weird stuff that happened in this game? Yeah, can I bring up one of them? Because I know that this is going to be on the table for you. Yeah, I mean, um, I, mean I, I got like six things written down. Okay. It's a good thing that the Chiefs won the game because had they lost – one of the things that would have been a talked about topic ad infinitum on all the shows, including Nick's tomorrow, would be the Travis Kelsey shove of Andy Reid. And I will say this now, okay? If Terrell Owens did that to Andy Reid when he was with the Eagles in the Super Bowl, or if my guy Antonio Brown did that to Mike Tomlin in a playoff game, at halftime they would have said, kick the guy out of the game get him off the field, like make sure he doesn't go into Hall of Fame, into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. All right. AJ like, Brown said on Twitter tonight that he would be kicked out of the league. Correct. Well, that yeah. would have been the that would have been the reaction if AJ Brown did that. 100 percent That's what people would have said in the moment if he did it. I don't disagree with him on that. I I I feel like Romo was told to calm down. Uh McManus, the president of CBS. Yeah, Sports. he said that this week. He said that this week, and he almost like went went too far, like too far the other way. It was like he took like a five milligram gummy or something of like an indica, because you had Travis Kelsey, and I know that Andy Reid will not care about it. He'll be asked about it. He'll brush it off. He'll say Travis is a maniac, and yeah, got we're competitors. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like, they're fine. It, I, I don't think there was any malice attached to it or anything like that. But the visual of the most famous football player in the game <laughs> going insane and bumping the coach absolutely deserved more than a hey look at that on the sideline like well i almost thought it wasn't going to get mentioned i almost thought it wasn't going to get mentioned at halftime and then boomer Esiason tried to sneak it in there and said it was a bad look and it looked like nate burleson wanted to like debate him on the topic and they shut that down. The broadcast is so weird. They all get like a second to say something because then there's going to be a concert. Then post game, they all get to say one thing, and then they got to go to the podium, and then they got they can't even go back to their studio show because they got to air their CBS network show. So they got to flip over to Van Pelt or us for long post game. You know what I mean? Like the analysis is like is so. But like, but because they pay all these guys all that money, they got to have six guys on the set, so everyone gets. 22 seconds to say something it's just an impossible job uh for for the, like boomer and burleson and jj watt 
to actually getting the thing in. But Romo and Nance, in theory, they have the game. So you know, and what they I mean? have like, Tracy Wolfson's reporting, which is adding to it too, which added, which gave it context. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just thought it was so weird. Like you said that Romo was told to calm down. He was, but then he was also singing songs to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he didn't really tone it down. He just decided to not fight that battle. Yeah. Spencer saying that Travis Kelsey said, I'm going to keep it between us. I was just telling him how much I love him. I think that they were right on the broadcast. By the way, we still don't have Shanahan reaction 30 minutes into this on that play. Because I got to figure out if I need to Venmo you $100 or not. We got to get an answer (laughs) on that. We'll get an answer. We'll get it. We got, we got, we got time left in this podcast. Um, so that's, he, I, I think that they were right. I think it was that Kelsey was pissed that he was off the field on the Pacheco fumble. I, I assume that is, is what it was. I think they were right on the broadcast. Um, I'm looking for, did you see James Palmer's report from NFL network pregame that Travis Kelsey Saturday night gave like one of the yes. best pregame speeches or whatever of all time. I hope cameras were rolling for that. Like I just, this guy is such a legend and he's so beloved. It, it, I don't know who the right comp is because like Pippen to Jordan is like an easy thing to make, but not as popular, not as likable, not like not anywhere near as likable. Like he's, He's almost more likable than Mahomes, and he's certainly a bigger personality than Mahomes. And now he's more famous than Mahomes because of Taylor Swift. Like, this is going to be the type of thing that is going to add to his folklore and his legend in a way that it's going to be a 10-minute part of the Travis Kelsey documentary. I need to see this footage. Well, I don't think – maybe Taylor Swift wrote the speech for him. Um, I don't think that – she writes her own songs, I think. There you go. Boom. In your face. Thank you, Spencer. Woo! Predetermined. I told you. I told you. I told you. I don't understand how that could be possible. Well, read it and weep, baby. No disrespect to Spencer. I'm going to need to see post-game with my own <laughs> eyes before I Venmo you that money. <laughs> um. Danny, I don't think that Kelsey, in terms of the analogy you're looking for, I don't think he's all that different from Gronk. I think that the Gronk, I think Gronk to Brady is very similar to Kelsey to Mahomes in that Gronk is such a cult of personality guy where like so many people are drawn to him. It's in a different way. He's got that, he's got that meathead, blockhead kind of like goofy jock thing going that is my wife finds it to be very entertaining like she gets drawn she's like a magnetic force that pulls her to that and obviously Kelsey is not he's more refined and he's a you know very uh stylish and you know Gronk's trying to do the acting thing but I think Kelsey is going to be even better at it um uh, yes yes I think it's I, I think I think they're very similar um but like, do you, I think, Gronk, do you think Gronk ever got up before the no. entire team and gave no, like a, a, a speech before the night before the Super Bowl? Do you think no. Belichick or Brady would ever let him do that? You well, know, I just I I think that like it's interesting, you know, like Belichick was not a speech guy. You know, I would say Brady was the person that right. handled yeah. all that stuff. You know, like I don't know if Kelsey Kelsey to me seems like he's more of the spiritual leader of that team. And you obviously covered him when he was younger in his career, but I just get the sense that in in crucial or critical moments, he's usually the guy that talks. He is a cult of person. Like he's a dynamic personality. Yep. You know what I mean? He he is just a comfortable in any room he goes to, likable, charismatic, can relate to anybody. Way underrated play. That's going to get overlooked, but it shouldn't because it led to the Chiefs' first touchdown of the game. The punt that goes off the dude's foot and the Niners player, who's the returner, McLeod. McLeod, thank you, recognizes it correctly. So, like, he initially gets blamed for it, but he was right. He spotted it. It would it was a live ball fumble. He just wasn't able to recover it. And then MVS gets the touchdown. I mean – 
that if they just fair catch that ball, the Chiefs needed a short field to get that first touchdown. A huge play, like it it ends up they score 25 points. It feels like it, you know, was inevitable at some point that the Chiefs offense was gonna unlock. But if they don't get that, if they don't get that play and that break, it was almost like that was the thing that let them exhale and remember, like, oh yeah, okay. And then they played with a lead. I, I thought this guy did not make the play. It was more Mahomes. But I thought a huge play in the game was when the Chiefs got their points before the half. It was that third and long. And Mahomes rolled right because he was flush in the pocket and found Watson in the middle of the field for a first down. And that got them into 49ers territory. And that set them up for the Butker field goal. I felt like getting the ball to start the second half, that was big that they were able to get something going before the break. If they had gone into the half scoreless, as Romo pointed out, as uh, Nansen pointed out, no team had ever won a Super Bowl being shut out in the first 30 minutes. So I thought having something there to hang your hat on uh, was good. And by the way, did you see what Spencer put in there? You ready to Venmo me the money yet, pal? I'll Venmo you the money. Look at that from Shanahan. He wanted to be assured the ball if the game was tied after two possessions. So if they go field goal, field goal, or touchdown, touchdown, only one team is guaranteed a second possession, and he wanted it to be him. Still not a good enough explanation, in my opinion. It is not the same as college, dude. You talking to me or are you talking to Kyle Shanahan on this? I'm talking to you. No, but I'm saying from Shanahan, that's still not a good enough explanation for what he did. I know, but I'm saying you using the college overtime rules, it's, it's not it's not the same. Well, but I'm saying to you now that the fatigue or the tiredness of his defense factored zero into his thought process here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll Venmo you 75. Oh, stop, dude. <laughs> it doesn't um, feel like a full win for you. Uh, you know who I thought is a low-key star of this game? Is the defensive tackle who got elevated off the practice squad for the Chiefs, who's played, but he's one of those guys with the new rule that you can activate him before the game. What's his name? Pennell or Dent? What's the... Yeah, be a Pennell. Pennell. I mean, he forces a fumble on McCaffrey when the 49ers are going in to score on the opening drive. And there were like three or four other times where I know it's you know, not always the matchup where a tackle gets locked in with a defensive, interior defensive lineman. But he won one-on-one matchups with Trent Williams several times in this game, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what a testament mark. to the Chiefs defense that guys like that are stepping up in this game. Uh, yeah. I mean, McDuffie was awesome. Sneed was awesome. Chris Jones was awesome. Um, it's, uh, and Purdy, we gave the numbers on Thursday. We should probably talk about him. Everyone else is going to give him a grade for this game. B, B plus. Okay. Let's put it this way. And if it was, if I'm grading on a curve, he's, it gets an A. He was better than I thought he was going to be. Well, I actually, I actually, he, he didn't turn, he didn't turn the ball over. And he made play, like he the touchdown pass was an easy six yard slant that Blaine Gabbert could have made, but it was there were enough plays and enough times like where he had like high enough level throws, processing, moving the pocket, little scrambles to buy time to to then throw the ball on the run. Uh, throwing the ball away, not taking sacks, not throwing interceptable balls. He played a good game against a good defense, and that has not been his reputation. Well, the use check play was was a was an outstanding play by him. It was excellent. Yep. Uh, I thought there were some. And I agree, by the way, that that was a catch. Yeah, me too. I thought there were some plays early in the second half where I thought he was just a hair late on things, and that contributed to them kind of getting off to a bumpy start. But overall, I thought from beginning to end, he was more consistent in this game than he was in the in the prior two playoff games. So I actually liked his game. I think that he, he leaves this game not like hanging his head in shame. I mean, it's not an infamous performance at all, as a matter of fact. I mean... No, not at all. Didn't. It's interesting. Like, I think that this also speaks to the greatness of Mahomes. When he won his first Super Bowl, you could easily say that Garoppolo blew it for the 49ers, that the opposing quarterback had a big hand 
and them losing the game. The last two, Hertz played an excellent game for the Eagles. Yep. And I thought Purdy played a pretty good game in this one. Like, there are times where teams win Super Bowls because the other team's quarterback loses the game. Um, This was not one of those games. Purdy, I thought, played well enough where his future with the 49ers is not going to be in question now. No. Going into the offseason. No, I mean, I, I still wouldn't love giving him 40 million a year, but he was impressive and poised and was not the reason that they lost the game. Greenlaw non-contact injury. Oh my God. I mean, like the, the first half, man, it was like McCaffrey fumble, Greenlaw non-contact injury, Kelsey bumping, Andy Reid, uh, Trent Williams back-to-back plays with penalties, Pacheco fumble the first play after the 52-yard pass. Like, I it was uh, Chase Young had a sack and forced an intentional grounding that I didn't really think should have been an intentional grounding, but still, great. It, the first, first 26 minutes of the game were so weird. Well, let me give you another one that I haven't seen any discussion or follow-up on. So, again, you make the comment about how the halftime show is such a hellscape because it's just a pinball machine. Everyone's trying to get their opinions in and they know they're under the gun. Boomer just says, you know, that 49ers touchdown should have never counted. Yes. Because the center was downfield illegally. You literally have Gene Steratore in the booth with you who made the trip to Vegas and the benefit of replay. Yes. (laughs) One of your main analysts says that at halftime. How do you not? To start the second half, revisit that. Can you at least tell us if Boomer is telling the truth? Because yeah, I it's see the no. Only, it's the only touchdown of the game. They said it should not have counted. It wasn't mentioned in real time, and it's never addressed again completely. And no one in the world is like rewinding the Super Bowl because you want to watch Usher and the commercials. Right. Like, like, yeah, completely insane. But Boomer said it with such conviction. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, And and I'm starting thinking, like, did I hallucinate and, like, somehow I was taking notes or I was doing something else where I missed them showing that replay because he said it and there was no follow-up on it whatsoever. How would you feel if you – so, like, we talked about it a little bit. I made money on it, over 47-and-a-half, longest field goal made. Butker, this historic playoff kicker drills a long one again doesn't miss a kick is great moody drills two long ones when he had missed four kicks in his three games coming into it and misses the extra point on good snap good hold bad kick that they employed jay feely for some reason but it ended up being useful uh in the game tonight he's the highest drafted kicker in in years Weird spot for Moody where he probably leaves the game feeling good because he drilled long field goals but missed an extra point. I wouldn't love it if I'm a Niners fan, though, with that guy, given all the missed kicks. I would feel like special teams were major. So the number one reason why I would feel like the 49ers lost the game is because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and we don't. So that would be number one. It was a huge special team Super Bowl. Number two for me would be special teams. Number three would be Kyle Shanahan's decision to start overtime. But number two would be special teams. Because I would feel like we gave them eight points. Between the muffed punt thing and the the extra point debacle. I mean, that's... Do you think that the extra point miss actually did help them though? Because of what I said earlier that the Chiefs, if they're down four in that spot, obviously don't kick a field goal to go down 17-16. They run two plays and they get a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I you guess. I, mean? like, yeah, I, I, I think if they're down that's, three, right. that's, they, they that, are, they're not going empty set pass. Mahomes takes a sack, kick a okay. field goal, tie the game. Yeah. They're, run, they're running Pacheco on third and goal. And if he gets if he gets a touchdown, great. If he gets a yard or two, they're going for it on fourth. Yeah, I I I I agree with that. The only thing 
The only slight difference I will say there is, you know, having, knowing that the clock was not an issue in overtime for the Chiefs, like, to me, it just felt like there was this building inevitability that they were going to come down and score. And it felt like the 49ers, I think, were, like, coming to grips with that, too. If the Chiefs are needing a touchdown at the end of the game, and they only have two timeouts because they burned one earlier, and the Chief, and the 49ers know, all right, we only need, like, to get one, one stop, one incompletion, one batted down ball, whatever, like, I give them a greater chance of getting a stop there at the end of regulation than I do in overtime. But I get your point on that. Like, yeah, like maybe that ended up being a blessing in disguise for them. Like, obviously, obviously you want Moody to make the kick. You don't know what's going to happen afterwards. But I do actually think that in the moment, it changed how the Chiefs would have approached that third down and ultimately led to them kicking a field goal from whatever the five yard line. And normally they would have, that would have been four down territory uh, for them. All right. Anything else? Or do you want to do uh, the, the others? Do you want to, you want to do, you have a favorite commercial? I like the Christopher Walken commercial. That didn't seem, yes, that didn't seem to get a lot of fanfare and hoopla on social media, but that was my favorite. Uh, a lot of Jesus commercials, and these are He's very got a big expensive. advertising budget. These are very expensive commercials, so I don't know if there was some kind of. It's it's almost and hear me out. It's almost funny, like organized religion, big business. So what? That's fourteen million dollars in commercials there. Uh, yeah, but there was a couple of them. Uh, trying to think. How what about else? the stop Jewish hate commercial? And the Kanye commercial airing during the same Super Bowl. That one raised some eyebrows in my Jewish household, we'll be honest. In the same, it was in the same. It was block. not in the same block, but okay. I mean, yeah. They don't That's have a, a problem. They don't have a problem selling inventory in the Super Bowl. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't didn't need that. Uh didn't need it. RFK invoking like his 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 dead relatives. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. that coming. I didn't even know. I mean, shame on me. I didn't even know he was still running for president until oh, I he's saw running. that. He's running. Uh, that's just goes to show you how in our space I, I am on I, that stuff. I, I, I do. Like, I think that the commercials for the Super Bowl now are like not nearly as big of a deal as they were 10, 15 years ago. Cause they leak online and you can yep. see any of them after the fact, like that are, that are buzzworthy or whatever. Like this is not the days of like the Budweiser frogs or anything. But I would be curious, like, what does Michelob Ultra have to pay Messi to do a commercial? Like, what's the number? Yeah, good point. That makes it worth it for, you know, but I mean, it happens every year. Larry David did a crypto commercial. And now they're all gone now. Have you noticed that? There's no more crypto commercials during the Super Bowl. Oh, I've noticed there's a big lawsuit about that, those crypto commercials and that crypto company. But, like, what's the budget for Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Tom Brady, and J-Lo to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial? What do they spend on that? Is it $20 million? I mean, it's seven to buy the time slot. Right. That's a great point. To get those four – I mean, because you're not giving them equity in Dunkin' Donuts. Like, what's the – I know it's a Boston thing, but, like – so, I mean, you, are, did, did they spend $20 million on that commercial? Right. What a flex by Dunkin' Donuts to be like, <laughs> we have we have so much money at our disposal here. We are going to set aside, like you're saying, maybe 15 to $20 million. Like, we have no way of knowing that this is actually going to generate more sales for us. But let's just flex and swing our you-know-what around and hire all these big-name New England personalities to do this over-the-top commercial for us, and I Starbucks saw- doesn't need to doesn't need to advertise during the Super Bowl. <laughs> People don't give an f about that. They're going to drink their coffee anyways. I just I saw that lineup and I was like, huh. I mean, it it ha- it, it it can't just be a million bucks. Here's like, one. Here here's one more on those along those lines. Do you think it's possible Tommy DeVito made more money in his Pizza Hut commercial during the Super Bowl? than he did playing football for the Giants this season. 
what he make for the Giants? I think it's like maybe four hundred k. Then yeah, probably. It's good, good job, by his agent. Yeah, 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 very good yeah. job. And I don't, and I don't think it's that Italian guy anymore. I think he dumped him. Did he really? I think he big timed him. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Uh, what did that. you think of Usher? So, my stance is that I know so little about music, and it all sounds good to me that I just don't criticize uh, or critique anthems, halftime shows. I mean, it's all good. Everything's good. No, it's not all good. The weekend performed and he had people walking around with bras on their head. I mean, it was one of the worst halftime shows I've ever seen in my life. They're not all good. (laughs) This was good. Yes. By my standard of, oh, that's professional music. And listen, man, Usher has bangers. Okay. If I know almost every song that you played, you've got a lot of popular tracks. And he brought out Alicia Keys and Lil John and Ludacris. I mean, kept the Ludacris thing a surprise. Everyone knew about Lil John and everyone knew about Alicia Keys. But you keep Ludacris. Good job. That's a good job. I have a bi- – it's binary for me, buddy. It's pass-fail. He passed. That was a good show. I, and one last thing for me. I don't know what the heck has happened to Carrot Top. What is going on there, man? They showed him in the stands. I hope he's well. But he okay. doesn't – let me tell you something about Carrot Top. We went as a show to see Carrot Top at the Luxor, our last trip to Vegas. Congratulations on all your success. Spiegel like, knows the guy that does the lighting for the Carrot Top <laughs> show. Dude, listen to this. So we go, and we're obviously, you know, buzzed. The plane's in the air. We. Shane, my executive producer, without question, the loudest laugher in the 350-person seat theater. For sure. All of us dying. And we have a meet and greet with him after the show. The four of us and Carrot Top. He was so cool. We had a a blast, dude. His show is hilarious. After After we met him... I listened to like I listened to him for like two and a half hours on Rogan. I like I like sought out Carrot Top content like for like long form podcast interviews. I've listened to him with uh, Andrew Santino and uh, what's the other one? Doesn't matter. I've listened to him on like three comedy podcasts since. Carrot Top's the man. He's the man. now he's he got a little too much into bodybuilding. He's definitely lived a hard life. He definitely looks odd, but a lot of Carrot mileage. Top- a lot of mileage, but Caratop grinds, dude. He's a worker. Six shows a week, longest running Vegas comedy show in the history of the city, full residency. Good for he, him, dude. And he works it. He he has a mandate that he has to work in at least one new joke every night, like a personal challenge to himself. And he's a prop comic. Like he's Carrot Top's the man. I love Carrot Top. Full was not expecting that. I thought you were going to give me yeah. some. Full throat. Oh, uh, Neil Brennan's podcast. Blocks Neil Brennan. That's the third one. He was excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Full throated endorsement for Carrot Top to end this podcast. All right, man. Now comes the off season and your bears are on the clock. So we got some uh, juicy podcasts here coming up in the next few weeks for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, cannot wait. Very excited. Are we, what are we, we back to once a week, Thursday nights? Roughly, we'll th- Wednesdays we'll or Thursdays? We'll figure it out. I like that plan. All right. Spencer Ray is our producer. Thank you, sir. Tell a friend about this podcast so we keep going and get paid a little bit. That'd be cool. Give us a five-star review. I'll Venmo you your money. First and pod. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.